time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances with Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Fort PA on Route 52. You can find Charles online by going to cpweldygroup.com or by calling 610-388-7705. We've got a great show on the way today. We're going to be talking about some classic pre-retiree mistakes and how you can avoid them. It's great to be with you, Charles. Thanks for joining us this week. How are you? I'm doing well, Walter. How about yourself? Glad to hear that. I am well and looking forward to what we've got to talk about today. It's a bit unfortunate that mistakes happen so frequently that we can call them classic mistakes or classic blunders, um, but we need to do about it, and we need to make sure, uh, we need to talk about it, we need to make sure that people aren't going to commit these into the future, even though many people have done them in the past. Um, There are just some financial planning mistakes that happen way too often. We're going to categorize them on today's show for you. So here's the first one I've got on the list. Charles, you tell us why it's such a classic mistake, how often you see these things, and then how often you're able to hopefully help people avoid them, uh, maybe fix the problem or avoid it in the first place. That's the best strategy of all. Uh, first one on the list is investing at age 59 the same way you invested at 39. Why is that such a classic mistake? Well, I would say, and I think it's like, you know, I'm not enlightening the world, but you know, by and large, the older you get, you know, chances are most people have less money invested in equities because they're closer to the retirement date. And someone that was a a youngster, say in their 30s, uh, obviously they got a long ways to go, you know, until they retire. So chances are that, you know, they have no problem investing the bulk of their money in stocks, you know, because they have a time horizon of 20 years plus. But the mistake that I really see, Walter, the 59-year-olds, some of them have too much money in fixed income. And by by that, I mean that, you know, a lot of them aren't going to retire for five to 10 years once they hit age 59. And when they do retire, chances are that the bulk of them will have a 20, 25 year retirement. So even though they're 59, which is you know 20 years older than 39, the mistake I see is that people actually become a little bit more conservative at 59 when in essence, they should really determine you know, when they're going to retire and when, you know, once they had that date, maybe earmarking some uh, investments, a portion of those investments for income and allow the remaining portion to be invested for growth. So the big mistake that I see people make is, you know, they're a little too conservative uh, when they approach retirement because the reality of it is retirement for most people today with longevity is 25, 30 years. And they have to invest for 25, 30 year time horizon, not, uh, you know, not like 10, 15 years. Mm, Does that make point. sense? Yeah, makes a great point, Charles. Like you said, uh, there's some common sense involved in there, but sometimes common sense still doesn't get followed. So we need to bring these things up again and again and keep talking about them. It's so important. Uh, and there's lots of reasons for why people certainly keep investing at 59 like they were at 39, which we won't explore all of those reasons on today's show. But uh, we certainly have dabbled in them in other episodes of this podcast. Another example of a classic pre-retiree mistake, are you maybe planning on making the same mistake? Starting Social Security without a plan or strategy. A lot of people just kind of pick the date that they're going to start taking Social Security and run with it. Yeah, that's a big mistake that I find people make. Uh, I just read in the Philadelphia Inquirer yesterday, it was a Sunday's uh, edition, that uh, I think less than 8% of the people delay their Social Security to age 70. 
and I'm not saying everybody should delay to age 70, but there's two classic examples I want to share with the, uh, you know, with the listeners of this podcast. Example number one, if you're single, all right, here's, here's what a lot of people need to realize. If you're single, whether you're 62 or 70, it, you know, if you think you're only going to live to age 80, it really doesn't matter. Forget about income taxes. I'm really talking about cumulative benefit. If you're going to live to 80 and not beyond, uh, forget about income taxes. It really doesn't matter whether you take uh, Social Security at 62 or take it at 70 because your cumulative benefit at age 80 is pretty much the same. But what a lot of people fail to realize is the taxation on that Social Security. If you were to take it at 62 and you still want to work, you might have to get some of that Social Security benefit back. That's not good. If you're still working at you know age 62 and maybe you're not making a lot of money, but you know you have a decent pension or other income, you know a portion of that Social Security may be taxable. So perhaps you're giving back to the government one or two Social Security paychecks in the form of taxation. So uh, it, it's important. It's imperative to have a plan for collecting Social Security. I'm working on a case now where I have a husband and wife. Uh, they're both in their early 60s. They have accumulated a lot of money in their retirement plan. A lot, you know, is $1.2 million. And, uh, you know, for them, and this is like a good, uh, I guess, strategy for most married couples. What you want to do, regardless of someone's health, is you really want to like protect the higher of the two Social Security checks, the greater of the two Social Security checks for the surviving spouse. Most people don't realize that when one spouse passes away, the survivor gets the higher of the two checks. So in this case that I'm working on, the male happens to you know, have a very high Social Security benefit. And our strategy is to wait until he is 70 to collect that. And his wife, who will be full retirement age at age 67, we're going to start hers at full retirement age. We don't want to wait till 70. Why? Because the reality is when you do the math, if one of them passes away, the survivor is going to get the higher of the two. So by protecting the higher of the two, that's a great strategy. And um, I guess that's all I really want to say about Social Security uh, is that you need a strategy. You just can't fly blind. So many people, unfortunately, don't get that strategy in place, though, before going down that route. So if that's you, make sure that you put a better plan in place. Reach out to Charles if you have any questions on that. We'll give you contact info at the end of the show. Focusing on tax preparation is a classic pre-retiree mistake when you aren't doing tax planning. I mean, we, we kind of have to focus on tax preparation every year, Charles, but not doing tax planning is a big mistake that so many retirees make. Now, that sounds like just a nuance in, in words there. What is the true difference? Well, I mean, tax preparation is mandatory where tax planning is, is discretionary. And um, when you look at some of the uh, account balances that some of these pre-retirees and retirees have that you know are in IRAs or 401ks that have not yet been taxed, it's inevitable that down the road, tax rates are going to increase. As a matter of fact, in 2026, they're going to go up automatically, regardless of whether Congress passes any new laws or not. And uh, what we're finding in our practice, Walter, is that when we do financial plans for clients, we do the traditional plans where, hey, once they hit now at 72 years, you have to take money out um, if you're not yet 70 and a half as of 1231, 2000. Uh, 19, uh, when you're 72, you're required to take dollars out of your account. Well, what do you think? If we fast forward like five, 10 years from now, do you think those dollars are going to be taxed at the same rates that they are today? Or do you think they're going to be taxed at higher rates? What would you think? Mm -hmm. Probably higher, seeing where our debt has gone during this uh, whole COVID experience. 
Well, you know, they're definitely going to get taxed at higher rates. And today, maybe the highest rate for a lot of people that we deal with, and it's upper middle class Americans, I would say that, you know, what we're seeing across the board is 24% federal taxes. Well, that 24 is automatically going to be 28 in the year 2026. So if you could save 4% on your IRA distributions today and have all the future growth tax-free, that would be a pretty good idea, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people would be interested. Well, that's really like the essence of tax planning is actually to see if you just do it traditionally without planning, what is your family going to end up with at the end of like 25, 30 year retirement? And if you prepay these taxes at historically low rates, what will they end up with 25, 30 years you know, uh, after they retire? Using the same rates of return, we're finding that the tax savings on a portfolio of a million dollars plus is hundreds of thousands of dollars in real dollars. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That's like real tax alpha, I call it, A-L-P-H-A. That's additional return you're going to get only because you got rid of your silent partner, the IRS. We're talking about these classic retiree and pre-retiree mistakes on today's show. Are you making some of these mistakes? We hope not, but if you are, time for a plan and some review. Another one, Charles, assuming that most of your retirement health care needs are going to be covered by Medicare. Is that a common assumption as you meet with folks? It is. I mean, but you know, again, most of the people that I meet are not self-employed people that um, you know had to pay their own health care insurance over the years. They're people that work for corporations, and that was a benefit, a tax-free benefit. So now that they're retiring, they're budgeting around six hundred dollars a month per person for you know healthcare costs, including Medicare. Well, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, Walter, but you know, in the last couple of years, they started means testing. Medicare. By that, I mean, they look at your income on your tax return and your income will actually dictate what your monthly Medicare premium will be. And I'm actually looking at a schedule that I have in front of me here. If you're married filing a joint return, your monthly Medicare premium could be as low as $145 and it could be as high as $492. So when you look at that, that's almost what? A $350 a month difference times 12 months. That's $3,507 is $4,200 a year times two people. To me, that's a hidden tax of like $8,400. So the point is that you know, most people think that once they're on Medicare, yeah, they got to allocate a little bit of money towards their health care costs. But I think it's going to be a lot more because baby boomers are retiring 10000 a day and uh, the Medicare uh, roles are being um, entitlement roles are being you know, kind of depleted a little bit quicker because there's more people collecting these monthly benefits. And it's inevitable that uh, supply and demand, there's going to be higher Medicare uh, price increases in the uh, not too distant future. All right. One more for you, Charles, as we go over these classic pre-retiree mistakes, taking on additional risk to try to make up for lost time. Well, you know, I, I go to New York once a year and I visit with this fellow by the name of Nick Murray. And, um, you know, Nick Murray, uh, one of his classic questions is, hey, how do you define risk? Well, you know, he defines risk and I define risk as running out of money in retirement. So uh, whether, you know, your neighbor makes 7% and you're making 5 if your neighbor runs out of money and you don't, guess what? You won the race. So uh, I define risk as running out of money in retirement. So basically, there's people that I meet 
that I do plans for that really haven't saved enough. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I preach the truth. I mean, I crunch the numbers. I see what their income gap is. I see what their assets are. And if they, if it appears that, hey, they're going to have a really tough time sustaining a uh, rise, creating a rising income over a 20, 25 year retirement period, they absolutely have to take more risk in the form of earmarking more of their investment dollars towards growth stocks. I just met a guy, uh, it wasn't that long ago, maybe like three months ago, did a plan. Him and his wife had about $600,000 in a retirement account. She has a pension. They're both going to get decent social security checks and they live a modest lifestyle. But the reality of it is, is, uh, and they're afraid of the stock market. I mean, basically in March of 2020, when the COVID hit the markets. They, they're not my clients. I mean, basically I did a plan for them. They haven't implemented with me yet, but the reality of it is they were like so immersed in fixed income because they were afraid that the market would keep on continuing to go down. And after I did the plan for them, I embedded in them the fact that, look, you know, uh, short term's unknowable, long term is inevitable. Uh, you're only in your early 60s. I mean, you're going to work for another three to five years. You need to reallocate your investments more towards growth stocks or value stocks than being in fixed income. Because historically, it's shown that uh, you know, real returns of stocks are two to three times greater than real returns of fixed income instruments. So, um, you know, taking on additional risk for lost time, it really depends on, you know, what is your lifestyle? What is your current asset level? And uh, do you need your assets to create a rising income? And do you have enough assets to do that? And if you do not, then obviously the only solution is to take more risk in the form of more volatility. But I really want to end this segment with, you know, talking about risk and volatility. You're never going to get away from taking risk. I mean, you're either going to take no risk today and have risk tomorrow when prices are two or three times what they are today, or you're going to take risk today so that in the future, you know, when things are two to three times, you know, cost two to three times more than they cost today, you'll have enough assets to actually take care of those costs. So there's no such thing as no risk. We live with it every day and it's either risk today, safety and security tomorrow, or safety and security today, risk tomorrow. Wise words, Charles. And if anybody uh, needs some assistance when it comes to your own financial and retirement plan, make sure you're not making some of these classic pre-retiree mistakes. And if you want to talk to Charles about your plan and how you can put it into better position going forward, give a call. 610-388-7705 is the number. 610-388-7705. And online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. We'll put links and contact information in the show notes of today's episode. So just check the show description and you can find out the quick and easy ways to get in touch with Charles. Charles, thank you for the help and guidance on the program today. We'll look forward to another good show with you next time. Sure. Thank you, Walter. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Sorholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.